the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain. Nutrition. Chewing. The. Fat. Podcast. I'll edit that bit out, don't worry. Joe. What are we talking about? We're not going to say what episode it is? No. Cool. We're, we'll talking, about, we're talking about inside-out thinking for fat loss. With our quest for greatness, our quest for global domination, world domination even, you know, we're constantly looking at improving the system, how we deliver it, how we interact with clients, and also our own skill set, mindset, knowledge base. This, we're going to discuss some training that Joe's done recently. We like to invest back in ourselves, Joe, don't we? Invest in the company, invest in ourselves, invest in the coaches, invest in vests, octo vests. I'm going back into some childhood stories. Um, So, yeah, Inside Out Thinking is something that you've been working on recently. Yeah. Tell me about it. What's what's it about? What's it all about, Joe? Talk to me. Inside Out Thinking is the idea that all of your thoughts are created within your own mind. And it flies in the face of kind of traditional thinking, traditional learning, that the outside world can make you think certain things. So if you ever, you know, watch the TV and it's, it'll say, you know, fans celebrate England winning the World Cup. I made it up. But that's the idea that a sporting event can make people happy. But if that was the case, then everybody would be happy when England win the football. But that's not the case because a lot of people don't care. So what it comes down to then is it's the way that you think and it's your interpretation about football. And actually you can apply that to pretty much every single area of your life. And it's something that has had a big impact for me personally with both fat loss and my own life. And also with the clients that we are working with, because I've sent out the training to to all of our clients uh, and the ones that engage with it have had some really positive responses so far. It's it's very empowering, isn't it? When you realize that you have control over, well, I remember you talking about a story all the time. You talk about it all the time, not just about when that time when you gave up chocolate for a year. Or... <laughs> I think, you know what? I think that was this week. I think that was like four or five years ago now. Um, when you said like someone, what was it? Were you about like road rage or something? And someone said to you, you know, you can choose just to ignore it. You can choose not to get angry about this. And it's so empowering because like you said, if stuff's happening to you all the time, then you're very much kind of like, oh, I'm the victim of this. There's nothing I can do about it. These things are happening to me. But I suppose when you realize that's how you're choosing to react to them, then you can choose a different reaction. You can choose to act in a different way, to think in a different way. And it does come down to how, you know, you'll have two people go through the exact same situation, but come out completely different. They'll have completely different views of it. One of them might even see it as a positive, whereas the other person sees it as a massive negative. Is it about that? Yeah, absolutely. In that it's it's all to do with your interpretation. You know, some people have an absolutely awful time because it's raining and other people will be able to deal with 
Viktor Frankl's the, the self-help person that people always trot out here. It was the psychologist who was in Auschwitz, who basically looked at it as an experiment on the human will. And he found a purpose. You know, he found a reason for being in there. He found something to hold on to. And it's, again, looking at that element of perspective and the, the key thing, and having taught this to quite a few people now, the, the mistake that I see people making is it's not just positive thinking it's not just right make myself feel good because the problem with that is you're using your rational mind to try and tackle your emotional problems and we've all had it before we think oh i'd love to have a peach and a chocolate bar and you go well i shouldn't do because my goals are more important to me and actually i want to be really thin or really lean or whatever it may be and then you go and you have the peach and the chocolate or whatever it may be because human beings make decisions on decisions on an emotional level predominantly you know a huge percentage of our actions are habitual and ingrained and this is why this stuff can be so difficult i don't say that it is and it's quite easy for me to get into dogmatic arguments with clients about this stuff when it doesn't really matter but you can change this stuff in a moment you know one thing can happen in your life and suddenly all of your habits over your whole life can change and i always use my dad as an example you know my dad was an alcoholic was somebody who drank every single day and a reasonable amount most days and lots on other days. And he was very ill. And then he stopped. And that was it. And he never drank again. You know, we're talking, God, 22 years now. My dad's gone without a drink. And he doesn't have low alcohol beers. He doesn't have a toast at weddings. You know, he doesn't have anything. And so it'd be really easy to say, well, yeah, that's because he was really ill. There's a lot of people who are really ill who don't stop drinking. You know, an awful, like it's nine out of 10 people who have a heart attack don't change their lifestyles. And so there's something different has gone on. The change will always come down to the way that you think and the way that you look at certain events. And so as soon as you recognize that your brain is creating this on a, on a subconscious level, you know, you're not, you're not doing things on purpose. It's not like somebody cuts me up and I'm driving. And I think, right, I'm going to lose my shit now. Is It's just so instantaneous. And because we spent our whole lives doing it, you know, if you're somebody like me, who's, or, or maybe me before, who's, and I still am to a degree, you know, easily frustrated, is it's so ingrained is that you just think it's how it is. And you just have to, to open your eyes sometimes and look outside you. And, you know, I've got a brilliant example. My mum is a really, really calm person. It's really easy for me to justify my own actions and say, that's just how it is. This is just what I'm like. But it's not. It's a, it's a pattern. It's a learned behavior that can be changed. And as soon as you open your mind to that possibility, you can suddenly change you know, massive swathes of your life. So what's the first step then in recognizing what you're doing and then, I suppose, becoming more mindful? And what's the first step to changing those patterns? I think the first thing is becoming aware of what you do and becoming aware of your triggers. So... The first, I guess, when I finished the, so there was, there was I, I read a book and then I went through a training and then I've read kind of lots more around this since. But the moment I finished the book, I became aware that on an evening I would crave high calorie food and that it was me that was creating that. I can't recognize what I'm creating until I recognize what I'm doing. And so that's why, it, you know, it ties in really well with what Sustain does because we get people to track their food. So we are creating awareness because you'll know this as well as me, the number of people that say I eat really well, but they're two or three stone overweight and then they start working with us and they lose four pounds in the first week is that people don't have a very good awareness of what 
either what they're doing or what they're thinking or what they're feeling because they've just because they've always done it and it's this is something that's very new to, to a lot of people we're not a lot of people aren't aware of their internal dialogue of the thoughts that are leading to certain actions they think they just do they think they just act and so practicing becoming more aware of your thoughts and your behaviors is, is the first place to start. Yeah. Asking better questions, which can be shortcutted by having a coach. Cause like you said, in those situations, when you're asking people like, is that really true? What you're saying? Is that the truth? You know, I've mixed this off you. Like, is that, tr- is that your truth? Or is that the truth that you do these things? Or you have to do these things. You have to behave in this certain way. And it is making people more mindful you know, if you're not working with the coach, then you need to be able to ask yourself these questions. I was talking about this actually with a friend the other day. We went for a walk, saying about asking better questions, like looking at your behaviors and going like, right, why do I feel triggered? Why do I feel defensive in that mm-hmm. statement? You know, if like you get a message from someone or email or whatever, or your partner's a bit short with you or ask you to do something, you'd be like, oh, why oh, does it matter? And it's like, right, why am I getting triggered by that? That's interesting. And then you start to understand yourself more and how you react. And, you know, again, those are things that you can change. Now, like you said, it's not going to be perfect. And I think that's a stumbling block for a lot of people is they expect to go like, right, I've changed. Boom, that's it. With our clients who work with emotional eating and, you know, the the beliefs and the thought patterns that have, you know, plagued them for years and years. Like, it's not just going to be like, unlike your dad, Oh, no, maybe with your dad, you know, stopping drinking, but maybe he's had the urge to drink, mm. you know, in those last 22 years. Oh, but he's, sure. just, course, yeah, he's, yeah. he's just not gone for it. Whereas, you know, we'll get clients and go like, oh, I've emotionally eaten. You know, I've done all this work. I'm falling back into bad habits. Like, well, look, before you were emotionally eating four times a week. Now we've done it once in four months. That's a massive success. Mm. Don't be so hard on yourself. And again, then we can review and look back and go, right, what's – What's changed? Has anything changed? Do we just keep on going? Is this just one blip? But yeah, it's all becoming more mindful again, like asking yourself these questions. Why am I doing this? What can I do about it? Is this something I can do about it? Is this just the way it is? Probably not. There's very few things (laughs) that you have little control over. You can really go down a rabbit hole with this stuff as well, because there'll be that moment of and it's for me, it's recognizing that any negative feeling is a sign that I've slipped into believing that the outside world can make me feel a certain way. So I don't know, the other day I had a meeting near me and I was quite anxious for it. I was, you know, was thinking like, oh, I'm really worried it's not going to go well. I'm worried this lady's going to say these things and it's not going to work out very well. And then, you know, I would remind myself that a meeting can't make me feel a certain way that it's my mind that's creating all this. And you go about, yeah, that kind of brings the temperature level down a little bit. And it doesn't, and this is the big thing, it doesn't take it from a, a 70 or an 80 or a 90 out of 100 down to zero. It takes it down by like 10%. It just makes it slightly more manageable. But that's the 10% that's the difference between a stressful life and a less stressful life. Or the difference between emotional eating and not emotional eating. That was a difference for me. And that's why I lost so much weight with it. Because it didn't mean that suddenly all my problems disappeared, but it meant that I could control them. And, you know, he said about my dad and his temptation to drink, like I'm absolutely certain he probably has that, probably still has that temptation now. And it's, it, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be better. It needs to be enough to get a result. 
And, you know, for me, I'm still somebody who kind of snap a little bit every now and then. But it's a hell of, you know, in, in the last few months, it's a hell of a lot less than it used to be. And I heard a bloke talking about this and he was saying, you know, I'm 86 years old and I'm still a work in progress. And this guy is, you know, he teaches this training across, you know, 100 countries, you know, has a staff of 100. And you think if he's not got it, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to hit this point of perfection. It's just going to be constant or, you know, regular or maybe even irregular improvements. And you have these moments of where you get this clarity and the thing that you kind of stumbled across before or made me think of was when people then they'll do really well for a period of time, then they'll struggle and then they'll go, well, this means I'm a failure. That's just a thought. That's just a thought that you've created. There's no proof that emotional eating once every couple of weeks or every couple of months means you're a failure. That's your perception of that event because there's other people who'd look at that and go, gosh, I've done so well. I just need to keep doing what I was doing. And that's, an ingrained habit you know we talk a lot about people who are self-critical have that negative self-voice that is an ingrained programming and it might be because of how you were spoken to as a child it might just be how you are another one of the mistakes that people fall into is they look for why why do I do this why do I think like this why did that happen doesn't matter what matters is that your thoughts create you created it and your thoughts led to those actions so if we look at my, uh, my evening craving example, you could track my blood sugar, you could track my mood, you could track my stomach volume, how much food I've eaten, and you could work out exactly what it was. And it'll change all the time. Sometimes it's because I'm frustrated, sometimes because I'm tired, sometimes because I'm hungry. The why doesn't give you a solution. It just feels good. It feels quite good to work something out. But it doesn't matter why you're craving or why you're angry or why you think negative thoughts. What matters is that it's you creating them. And one of the, the, the real benefits of looking at things this way is you don't have to talk about your past. You know, very often we work with people and they say, I'm going through this difficult thing. Or, you know, it makes me think of these things that happened in the past and people don't want to talk about it. Some people do, some people don't. And if it serves you and you feel good for talking about it, then I would do it. If you don't, or you don't want to talk about it, this is a way that you can do that. You can deal with the negative things in your life without having to tell anyone, without having to go into the sordid details that might make you feel shameful or angry or upset or disgusted or whatever it may be. Because if you can apply that process, and this is the bit that's been so useful for me, and I think is so useful for everyone, is it just covers everything. Like everything is a thought. So my cravings for high calorie food, my frustrations with you or my frustrations with Chrissy or my desire for more money or more success, whatever it may be, is you can, it is a, an overarching thing that all of this is thought. You know, we live in a world of thought and that's why you can have, you know, you see it all the time, don't you, with uh, celebrities and billionaires being depressed or committing suicide. And then you see people who live in, you know, the slums who are really cheerful. Like, I think it's, where was it? Like maybe a place in Sri Lanka where people haven't got fresh running water, but they track happiness in schools. Something like that. I read, it, read about it yesterday. And it's like, oh, maybe there is something to this that the outside world doesn't determine how I feel. And, it's, and it really does challenge people. You know, you, it, um, people get really defensive about it. I was talking with Chrissy about it and she was saying, one of the questions that came up in this quiz I got her to do 
was where do you spend most of your time? And she was like, this is so silly. Everyone spends most of their time working. It's not a choice to. And I was like, it is though, because there are a lot of people who don't work. There are people who choose not to work. They would rather live on benefits. And just because the vast majority of people choose to work doesn't mean that it's not a choice. You are still choosing. You know, me and you could do that. We could quit our jobs, you know, and we could claim benefits or live on the money you've got in the bank or whatever it may be for a short period of time. So it's always a choice that you're doing it. It just doesn't necessarily feel like it because you don't see many people doing it. And so it's, and I think what you said before about having a coach is so useful because especially people like me and you had a lot of experience working with people around their habits around food is very quickly when people say, this is how it is. I can't take food with me. It's like, well, hang on. I know a lot of people who have done. So is that, like you say, is that your truth or is that the truth? And it's being willing to go to that uncomfortable place to recognize that this is you, you know, that your truth, that's your story that you've created. Stories are things that we shape our habits and behaviors around because we believe them to be true so much and they need to be challenged often because often the shit, uh, the bullshit stories that are holding us back. And, you know, we've both been guilty of those as well. We're just like, oh, this is, this is just how it is, or this is how it has to be. And why can't other people see what's going on? But I wanted to touch on that. But when you said this quest for perfection, which again, I think can cripple people. Instead of people accepting, like, oh, I just need to improve. I just need to do better than I have done before. And that doesn't mean it's night and day. It's that 1%. You know, I'll talk about all the time with clients when, so say they'll be like, I'm going on a night out. And we're all for going out on night outs. Not, not that I enjoy them, but I mean, like, getting clients to do them. Occasionally. Um, <laughs> i just like, I want to go out, have a nice meal, and then just go home, have a cup of tea. At 6 p.m. Well, you know, maybe like eight or something. I want to be in bed for night. Um, and they'll, they'll go out and they'll be like, I mean, I, you know, we want people to plan these things and kind of have maybe like a rough idea of what's going to happen. So you'd be like, right, I'm going out with my mates. I'm going to give myself, I'm going to allow myself to have two glasses of wine. And that's it. And you're like, okay, is that realistic? They're like, yeah, I'm going to do two glasses of wine. Now, normally when they go out with these mates, they have eight bottles of wine, something ridiculous like that. They get absolutely hammered. It's their old uni friends, whatever. So then when they go and they go like, oh, I failed. I had four glasses of wine. And you're like, okay, but was two glasses of wine realistic then? And four glasses of wine is much better than eight bottles of wine. So that's a massive improvement. Have we not done better? And they're like, you know, the next day you got straight back onto eating how you should have done or how you wanted to, I should say. These are massive improvements, but because people are looking in the wrong places and they're going for this idea of perfection, that cripples them as well. Again, this idea that I have to be perfect to make progress. Like you don't, you just have to do a little bit better. And that's not always going to be consistently better. There's going to be ebbs and flows. You're going to have shit weeks. You're going to have shit days. It's going to happen. But for me then, okay, so normally when you have a shit day, that spans into three months off. So maybe you have a shit day and that turns into three shit days, but then you get back on it. Again, massive improvement. It's just looking for these little wins and going, I can control this. You know the classic, how do I get back on this? How do I get back on the wagon? I just fucking choose to get back on. Just go, right, my next meal, I'm going to have some protein, I'm going to have some high-fiber foods. It's going to be calorie-controlled. It's going to be enjoyable. Just going to eat it. There you go. You chose to do that. Because it was a choice for you to not do that. It's just, again, it's very easy to say these things, isn't it? Some people will be like, no, you don't understand. Like, don't, I, I ate two bars of chocolate yesterday. And right now, I'm like, yeah, I really shouldn't have done that. And I set myself up for it. 
was walking back and I was like on the walk, I was like, I'll call it a co-op. Do you fancy a little bit of chocolate? And then I went to the chocolate not counter shelf, two bars. I was just going to get one bar. Oh, star bar. Classic. Reminds me of when I used to smoke weed a long time ago. Just, <laughs> just one summer. What happened to be the summer of my GCSEs. That's why I can't spell. But, but that worked out well. <laughs> oh, amazing. That's a different podcast. Star bar, 80 pence. Two bars for £1.20. Well, well, there's a whisper solid caramel gold. Might as well. But I inhaled them both within about three metres of the shop. You know, that was my choice. I set myself up. So, again, these are things that I can change. I'm not perfect. Don't want you guys thinking me and Joe <laughs> talking, spouting all this amazing stuff, and we're perfect because we're not. We're far from it. But then you, you've nudged on something that's really useful there is that the power of positivity and you know one of the the tasks as part of our coaching is to get people to log a daily positive and oh don't get me started on this one and that actually came about at the start of covid because we didn't used we didn't used to do it and i remember at the time with a lot of clients i think i had about 80 people and what i got that day i didn't get 80 positives i didn't get 80 neutrals i got 80 negatives i thought within about three days of it all starting I i cannot keep doing this job if this is what I receive. And so I then, you know, I think it, uh, I'm pretty sure it's my idea. It's how I remember it. Was that I said, right, this is what life. we're going to do. We're going to put a daily positive in. And then immediately my life got better. And people then started saying, you know what? I feel better for this. And you've alluded to, you know, saying that, that the process is difficult. And I'm always, I'm not. And this is something that, that my coach, Julia, kind of picked up on. Is that if you say to people, this stuff's really hard. This stuff's really difficult. This stuff's going to take a long time. Is you ingrain that? You know, if I'd said to my dad when he quit alcohol, do you know what? This is going to be really hard. It'll probably take you six months. You're probably going to relapse. I'd have made his chances of doing those things higher. I mean, granted, at the time I was 11, so it probably would have had absolutely no impact and he had been very ill. And it's my dad. He's particularly stubborn. But you can get the point. Is that if you talk this way to people, you set them up for a certain way of thinking. And actually as part of the, the mindset training that I've put out, you know, one of the tasks is write about something, write about your favorite memory for 60 seconds. How do you feel? And everyone goes, I feel really good. That feels really nice. And you say, right, write about and the most negative memory you can think of for 60 seconds. And then you get death and grief and illness and all those other pieces. Say, I don't feel very good. I don't want to, because I had a, I, I challenged someone on this the other day in the group. It's not hard because I can say to James now, think about your favorite memory with Magnus. And in two seconds, you'll go, oh, yeah, that was really nice. And you know what? I feel good thinking about you having a nice time with Magnus. It's really simple. It's really easy. But a lot of people haven't got that as a habit. And therefore, it can be difficult for some people. But I feel that the more you build this up, the more you say this is really hard, the harder it's going to be. And for me, uh, I've just signed up for some distance running and I'm going to take this attitude into it, uh, is that it's not that hard. It's just putting one foot in front of the other. And if I bring that attitude, and I when uh, I was supporting Chrissy the other day at a High Rocks competition, which is like an 8K run, eight obstacles, you know, absolutely solid. And David Goggins talks about this. He talks about like your inner bitch, which is like your inner voice that just moans and complains and asks you to stop. Like you're creating that. And I, I truly believe this, that when, you know, I'm going to talk to Julia this week, I've got a call with her about this. Like when I go out and do my runs, 
is I'm just going to work on saying that to myself. Like I'm creating this. I'm going to take my mind to more positive places. I'm going to run with headphones. I'm going to listen to my books. And I'm that inner voice that's saying, this is so hard. You need to stop. You're too tired. You can't keep going at this rate. Your feet hurt. Whatever it says, I'm going to recognize that that's my voice. And I'm going to choose to think about something else. And I nearly, I didn't yell it at Chrissy because a couple of times that she stopped when she was like doing lunges or whatever. And I just wanted to be like, you're creating it. It's not that hard. Keep going. And it, that's the problem that people have, especially when it comes to physical exercise and oh, just everything. You just, you know, you see it so often in sustain when people say, it's not sustainable if I eat like this. I need to eat this. I have to do that. You know, my feet hurt. I can't go out and do a walk. All of that. And don't get me wrong. There will be a couple of instances where there's nothing you can do, where you've just got to, and again, you've just got to stay at home and rest, but then be positive about it. Be grateful that you can do that. There's always a different way of looking at this, these situations. If Viktor Frankl can be in a concentration camp and find a positive about it, then there's a way to find a positive about your current situation. They're always there. They're not always easy to find. And if you're somebody who has been around negative influences or you just naturally have a negative mind, it probably will be harder for you. But that doesn't mean that it's not simple. It doesn't mean that this isn't easily accessible. You know, take 10 seconds now. Think of the happiest memory in your life and notice the difference that that makes. You know, this stuff is accessible to everybody. It's just a skill that a lot of people haven't practiced. And so you can do it. And it is 100% a skill. Um, just for the record, it was me who came up with the idea for the wins. So Okay, cool. But it was, from, it was from the coaching that I did with Paul Moore. We had to record three wins every single day yeah. because that gains momentum. Because like you said, you start looking for these small things because you get so blinkered when you're having a bad time that you're just like, everything's shit, everything's shit. I've had a crap, I've had a crap day. Yeah, well, the amount of times with like, yeah, clients like, I've had a shit day, I've had a shit week. Like, was it a shit day? Was it a shit week? Or was it one or two isolated incidents? And that's when I get a be in my bonnet with the uh, the positives, where you'll get a client who's go like, can't think of a positive today, like, because you're focusing on the wrong stuff. And I appreciate it because it's, you know, sustained nutrition and they're here to help with the fat loss. And, you know, so much of this is around mindset where people go like, well, then the, the win has to come from, I turned down a chocolate bar or yeah. I hit my 10K steps. Like, no, like the very fact <laughs> that you are sending me this through an electronic device that probably is worth a thousand pounds from your house across Wi-Fi in your clean clothes. And the fact that you can have the funds to pay someone to coach you through this, like you can't pull any positives from what I've just said already. Mm. You know, like what a super privileged position to be in. So yeah, gratitude and positivity does, does not grinds on me a little bit, but then I, I understand it but I'm just really passionate about it because it makes everything so, so much easier, so much better. There, there is some, hang on, coaching. You know, I, I posted it in the client community uh, where they're saying oh, you can train your neural pathways mm. to seek kind of positivity. You have to train it by looking for it and looking for it, and then it becomes easier and easier, like just kind of like any kind of movement, like repetitions in the gym. So the more you do these things, then the more you will recognize positivity, the more positive you'll become as well. So it is worth doing as kind of hippy-dippy and mumbo-jumbo as it might seem. We're not going to get you to manifest the universe or write stuff on those lanterns and send them off to space or anything like that. But just being like, I'm so grateful to be lying in a warm, clean 
bed. I'm so grateful to know that my cupboards are full of food. Like, you know, when I got to have breakfast with Magnus and he stole my protein pancakes and he gave me a big kiss before we left and told me to have a good day. Just like, this is amazing. You know, and that's, like you just said, like me saying that now makes me a little smile inside. And it's, yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because you want to, as a coach, to coach that is you want to, I want to recognize how much of a change that is for people. And I fully appreciate the the lady that had mentioned the comment on Facebook and, and I, you know, she'd said how difficult it was and I not poo-pooed it, but just questioned it is it's not to tell you how to feel. It's not to neglect the way that you are feeling or to tell you that you should feel a certain way. And I think that's, it's a fine line to tread with toxic positivity because we're not, you know, if someone says to me, I'm having a really bad day, is it's not like, right, look at the positives. It's like, I hear you. I, I totally understand how that, you know, how uh, being late for work or, you know, getting a snotty email could, could make your day more difficult. And it's making sure that people do feel heard and listened to because that's a, a fundamental need of human beings. But it's then how long are you going to stay in that space for? And is this serving you? Is it serving you to complain about these things? Like if it is and you feel better, that's cool. Then we are all ears for that. But at some point, you then have to transition that to being productive. And you don't have to do what you want to do. But my suggestion is that you then transfer that and use that and find ways to do better and to move forwards. You know, we're not here. People pay for fat loss coaching. People pay to change the habits. So we have to look at changing and doing things differently and not just focusing on, on how negative it is. And I think that that, like you say, is a skill. And that can one of the analogies I really like is it's like um, sled tracks on the snow. And if you are in a negative, if you think negatively, every negative thought you have, that sled goes down those tracks again. The, the, the tracks get deeper and deeper and deeper. And so it's easier for the sled to follow those thoughts. And so when you, you know, James was saying about creating new pathways, think about it that way, that the more you do that positive thought pathway, the deeper those tracks get, the easier it's going to be. There's definitely something in this as well about, um, I can't think what it's, what it's called off the top of my head. You know, when people have like hallucinogens and things like that, and it, and it helps them change their neural pathways. Mm -hmm. The way that somebody describes it is it's like having a fresh blanket of snow. And they don't really know. I think, I think, I'm sure somebody out here listening to this will know, or someone in the world knows, I, not me, about how it works. But it's one of those things where people don't quite know what's going on. But it can be really useful for people to do who are stuck in long-term thought pathways. So I appreciate we spoke a bit about weed today, but that's not, not what I'm suggesting. But it's you know, just you su suggested mushrooms now. It, it is stuff like that, though, isn't it? Like people yeah. have these experiences where they then it's think great for, afterwards. Great for depression. Um, PTSD, stuff like that as well. Yeah. I think there's more and more research going into like psilocybin, um, which is presence in mushrooms um, for treatments of depression. It's massive. Interesting. Yes. I won't talk about my drug history anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, honestly, it was one summer I was just trying to fit in. I smoked a lot of bongs. It wasn't for me. I coughed a lot. I didn't move. I listened to a lot of Santana. <laughs> I did very badly in my French. Because uh, I didn't know what was going on or where I was, I don't advise it. It wasn't for me. That's anyway. James, James's uh, resident sustained resident drug <laughs> drug advice. So I'll speak to your kids. Don't worry about it. Just say no. 
I did it. It won't for me. I won't do it again. Like you're drinking. Right, Joe. Very interesting. So, yeah, if you want to know more about that, obviously you can drop us a message. Joe's done a free trade on it. You know, we'll be involved in our free support group. The link, again, as always, will be in the show notes. Come join us. We give away tons of free stuff. And then if you are interested in, you know, working with us one-to-one, then that's always an option as well. Um, Joe, anything to add? No, all good. Just, I think with this stuff, it's it can sound a bit trippy and a bit out there, but just give it a go because it can change your life. Yeah, the investment is huge. Not the investment is huge. The investment is, is hard, but the outcomes are huge. Like you said, if you can start looking... Uh, situation in a completely different way and taking control of them, you know, you're no longer a passenger, you're in the driving seat, then that is, like you said, life-changing stuff, which is what Sustain's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I've been so excited about this stuff because, you know, we're always looking for what we call Sustain. So we we live and die on how sustainable our results are. And obviously fat loss is an extremely hard industry to try to make that promise. And so anything like the information that I've picked up recently that you suddenly see like with me personally and with the clients that we work with have an impact is really exciting because it's not things that other people talk about. It's not the idea of like, here's your calories and here's your exercise. You didn't stick to it. Well, next week needs to try a bit harder. There's a solution in here that can change all of that. And it can then help in other areas of your life. Your life can just become, and I would say that my life has become so much easier in that since I did this course and finished the book and, and read more books and applied it to more areas of my life, and obviously teaching it helps as well, is that the ups and downs, uh, or the downs anyway, are reduced massively. And I can be more present for the ups. And so do it for that as, as much as anything else, as much as the fat loss benefits it can have as well. Well, t- teaching is always going to make you understand the subject better because mm. you have to explain it. But just well i feel like i have to say it because you know obviously we do talk about fat loss all the time so eat more protein eat more vegetables i think that has to feature every single podcast <laughs> but you know we've just talked for whatever 45 minutes and we've not mentioned anything about really nutrition or diet but this is you know an essential pillar that we have our mindset mastery for fat loss because your head will rule the decisions that you make. And like you said, if you're living a healthier, happier life where you're in control of these decisions, then you're more likely to make decisions that are in line with the person that you want to be. Mm. So all cascades down. Like you said, it's not just, here's a meal plan. Here's some lunch ideas. Here's a breakfast frittata that's under 300 calories. Like, great, but we need to, going back to your snow analogy, we need to clear the pathway so we can go down it. And if that pathway is full of massive boulders and stuff like emotional eating and negative self-talk and all this stuff, let's shift that because then that road's going to be really easy to go down instead of everyone trying to, oh, I've come up to a boulder. Oh, that's me emotional eating again. Calories out the window. So that's that's our idea. Yeah, just last last point is that whilst we do have the, the four pillars, is that they all blend into each other, is that whilst nutrition and exercise are two of the obviously the fundamental ones the way that you think about your food and the way that you think about your exercise is ultimately going to determine your actions long term because if you just grit your teeth and say you know i love eating snickers i hate eating veg but i'm going to do it for 12 weeks what's going to happen it's so obvious when you look at it that way but people will just endlessly go on these diets because they're it's too short-sighted and it's hopefully that's what we're helping to change Oh, perfect. Right. Join us in our support community. 
drop us a message if you've got a question if you want to chat that's us that's what we do chitty chats say goodbye joe cheers guys <laughs>